Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Hey, I want to talk to you from the next installment of the book of James. We got this week and next week uh, we're going to finish it off. And today I'm going to talk about patience. How are you, patience? Patience. Because God is in control. And that's easy to say when everything's going right. When you come back from the doctor with bad news, when you come back from work with a pink slip, when you've come back from the mechanic with an estimate of work, when you've come back with a grade, when you've come back with a promotion you tried to get and you didn't get it, when you, and it's kind of hard to verbalize, but God is in control. But that's what James wants people to know. These are Christians that are being persecuted for their faith. Life is extra hard on them because they have given themselves over to Jesus Christ. And he says to them in James 5, verse 7 through 9, he says, Be, 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 be patient. How are you doing with patience? Huh? Now, if you work in the medical field... I'm about to say a few things. This is not a jab at you because we have uh, people that attend here that are doctors and nurses and, and uh, you know, EMTs and paramedics and all that. So this, this, is, this is not against you. But isn't it interesting that when you go to see the doctor, they call you a what? A patient. You know why you're called a patient? Because you have to be patient to be a patient. You call and make your appointment and... They tell you that it will be the 12th of never, right? And you get there, and they put you in a room called a waiting room. You see? It's all set up. It's a waiting room. And they have magazines in there because they know you're going to be there a while in the waiting room. Uh, I was in a waiting room not too long ago, and I picked up Better Homes and Gardens. I, I, I like looking at that stuff. 2004. June. I thought, man, oh man, they're up with the times. See, somebody's been in there since 2004 reading that magazine. And it was, it was cool. I, I, I showed Debbie. It was, it was cool because somebody had cut out some of the pictures, you know. They were, they were camping in there since 2004. And then they take you, they call your name. Mr. Fetterman? Yes, you know. And there's always somebody that got spring in their step, too. Like, we're going to get there. Don't worry. And you, you follow them, you know, like a, like a football player. You follow them to another room. It's a smaller version of the previous waiting room. And if they have magazines in there, there's only a couple of them. Because they want you to think like you're going to get to really see the dock, right? And so you're in there. Has anybody besides me ever played with some of the gadgets in there? Yeah. <laughs> The little light you, that looked, ooh, you look at the little light. And um, one time I was in there so long, I opened up this little jar and there were tongue depressors in there. You remember when we were kids, you used to take popsicle sticks and over, under, and you'd throw them, right? So I'm in there with the tongue depressors, <laughs> flinging it against the wall. And this young girl comes in there. Uh, knock, 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 and she opens the door. Boom. Oh, sorry. And, and, and she says, and I promise, 
Uh, Jerry Seinfeld says in his routine, stand-up routine, when he was in there that he licked the tongue depressors and put them back. I did not. That was Jerry Seinfeld. I did not do that. But now here she comes. I still don't get to see the doctor. I get to see her. She's the doctor's representative. And she takes my vital signs and she says these words that she's, the doctor will be in shortly. Be patient. Yeah. So finally, knock, knock, knock. And you can hear them reading the chart. You can hear them. Oh, it's like a test. And they're just now rushing up on it. Okay. Oh, Mr. Fetterman, I see here that uh, you've been playing with the tongue depressors. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Be patient. Be patient, you patients. Be patient. Be patient. Why? Well, he says, brothers and sisters, until... Oh, the Lord's coming. Right away, he tells us, we need to focus ourselves on the coming of Jesus. Now, this is not the first coming. Because this is James, the half-brother of Jesus. Jesus, who was God in the flesh. And what would you do to prove to your half-brother that you were really God? Well, you do godly things. Then you would die on a cross like Jesus did. But here's the clincher. He resurrects from the dead, Jesus does. Wow. And James saw him post-resurrection. Just think about that. So when James is talking to these Christians who are going through difficult times and, and struggles and suffering and persecution, he says, look, look, you be patient. And right away he says, brothers and sisters, that, that, that denotes that they're Christian, until the Lord's coming. The New Testament talks more about the second coming of Jesus than it does his first coming in Bethlehem, wrapped in swaddling clothes, born of a virgin. It speaks more about looking forward to, look, look, look forward to, and he says, then see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. You too be, be patient, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. By the way, the Lord's coming is nearer now than when you first walked in this room. Yeah. And then he says, well, if you start losing your patience, you're going to be a grumbler. Because people that, huh? You know in McDonald's, we now have two lines to drive through. You should just be one line. But McDonald's found out, they did a survey, that people grew impatient having to wait more than three and a half minutes. So now they've got two lines. And if you've ever done this, I did the other morning, I went through McDonald's dollar coffee. It's good coffee for a buck. You can go to one buck or you can go to four bucks right here. I mean, Starbucks right here. You have a choice, right? And so, and so everybody's jockeying for position like Autopia. It's, it, have you done this? I, I, I did it. I bought my dollar coffee and the gal was so nice. And I said to her, I said, do people really grow impatient in this society? All the time, sir. All the time. We are an impatient society. We want it quick. We want it now. We want it fast. Um, if you are old like me, you'll probably remember the days of dial-up internet. And your computer was talking to a modem, to another computer somewhere out there in cyberspace. And it finally came up on your screen. You were so happy. 
to be connected. And now if our phone gets a little slow, come on. You ever been downloading something and it just takes too long? Forget it. Or the video spooling, ah, ah, and you get frustrated. I'm confessing. I've waited 19 seconds for this to download. What's wrong with my internet provider? Huh? And I think if James was standing here on this platform, he'd say, folks, be patient. Jesus Christ is coming. Get life in perspective. There's bigger things than this. There's bigger things than now. There's bigger things than what's going on. And he brings back from James chapter 1, if you were with us, James chapter 1 and verse 2 says, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. That's easy to say, isn't it? But if you're going through a trial, oh, praise the Lord. So grateful the trial's coming my way. The only way, the only way we can stand firm is if we understand that he's in control, we'll see that in a second, and that he's coming again. And when he comes again, he will take us to this place called heaven. Man, I can't wait for that day. I mean, I don't want it to be today, but when the day comes, would you just write in your notes, Revelation 21 and circle it? Just write REV 21. And I encourage you today, tonight, before you go to bed, just read Revelation 21. Because that's what James is trying to get these Christians to understand. It's not all about this, and it's not all about now, and I want you to be patient. So let's just pretend we're sitting around a table. We're having a little inductive Bible study. We're just going to write down some points that we get from the Scripture, and any of you could have come up with this outline, okay? But I'm just going to share mine with you. When should I be patient? Well, number one, I should be patient when circumstances are uncontrollable, uncontrollable. He says, be patient, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rain. Now, we're surrounded by agriculture. Central Coast, we've got agriculture this way. We've got uh, grapes there. Uh, We've got out Highway 1 and some other parts of the county. We have cannabis growing now. There'll be more coming. Uh, Just That's all I got to say about that. And um, it's a valuable crop. Hmm. But the reason he mentions farmer is because back in the farmer's days, they didn't have moisture meters. They didn't have the piping that we have now. They didn't have the irrigation systems that we have now. They didn't have computers to check on the growth of everything. It was just you worked hard and you patiently waited for the autumn and the spring rains. This was out of their control, whether there be too much heat or not enough, too much wind or not enough, be too much uh, you know, overcast or whether there be enough rain or not. You can't make it happen. You just have to trust God. Um, I wrote in my notes, to worry about something that you can change is a waste of energy. Just get up and change it. But to worry about something you can't change is useless. And I I really know this. I mean, if we're going to pray, why should we worry? If we're going to worry, why should we pray? We have to trust in God and believe in God in all things. And so the next thing he says is we we need to be patient when people are unchangeable. This might help somebody today. James 5, verse 10, brothers and sisters, 
as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Now think about the role of a prophet. See, the farmer has to wait for the rain to come. The farmer has to wait for the plants to to grow large enough to, to go to harvest. The farmer has to hope and pray that when they harvest the crops, that the price at the market is high. That's what they have to do. It's out of their control. But here he says, take the prophets, for example. Now, the prophets listened to the word of God as it came to them, the Holy Spirit, and they spoke to the followers of God. They spoke to Israel. And they would say things like, um, repent, stop doing naughty stuff, stop worshiping other idols. They would give warnings to people, and oftentimes the people that they gave warnings to were unchangeable. Do you know anybody in your life that you've tried to help that's unchangeable? Don't raise your hand. They might be sitting next to you. (laughs) Unchangeable. So I was reading about unchangeable people, and uh, it simply got me to the conclusion that we are not responsible for the response of people. For, for example, we love and serve our community. I alluded to the fact that some of us were out yesterday. We, we put out a little thing on Facebook, and I sent some emails out, and about 25 LFCers showed up. I was just blown out of the water, you know. And um, I'm not responsible for how the gophers react. Because while we were filling up some holes, gopher Freddy came out. Hmm, cross-country cage. They're going to be running on my turf, right? I live here. Huh? And I told the coach, I said, hey, coach, I got to tell you something. I saw the gopher over there. He was laughing at us, right? And I thought that gopher is unchangeable. You know his his goal in life is? To dig up your yard, right? To eat your plants, roots up, right? That's that's his job. That's his job. Now, there are people who are bent on being unchangeable. So when I'm reading some articles about change and unchangeable people, one thing that I saw over and over again was to make sure that your ship doesn't sink while you're trying to help other people who are drowning. Uh-huh. Now, some of you have rescuer mentality. God bless you. You see a sparrow on the side of the road. Oh! You bring it home. You build a sparrow coop for it. You, know? you take stray puppy dogs home, kitties home, and all that stuff. I mean, that, that's good. Some of you work in a field where you're a rescuer. God bless you for that. But we know this. We can't rescue and save everyone. So we have a motto around here. It's a good motto. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. We, we can't save the whole city. and we, we can't go and feed the whole community. But we can do for one or for some what we wish we could do for everyone. But listen, if you're, use the analogy of the boat, if your boat is, is going through the storms, you know that you can't let the outside storm become an inside storm because if the outside storm gets inside your boat, your boat sinks. So while you're trying to help people, hey, that's shark infested. Here's a hand. Now, if they jump in your boat and bring the sharks with them, your boat's going down, sweetheart. And when your boat goes down, they have no rescuer. So that's why you have to stay strong. Paul says in Galatians, make sure you restore others, but be careful that you don't fall in the midst of their pit that they're in 
by going down into their pit. Well, I'll just, I'll just hang out with you. Let me just say it this way. If you're an alcoholic, don't go to the bar to help your friend not drink. I'm sorry, I don't need a simpler way to say it. Well, I went to the bar because my friend drinks too much and I wanted to sit there with him and pray for him while he's in the bar. And the bartender's going to say, um, what can I get you? And the temptation is going to be going to be high for you. So don't let your ship sink, because if your ship sinks... Now, the reason I bring this up is I know about this many Christians the last few years who's trying to save the world, and they're bringing all the world into their boat, and their boat is sinking. you got to be sure and solid. If you're a parent, you, your boat's got to be going the right direction, helping your family navigate the waters and the storms and everything that we're facing. If you've got it, I'll move on to the next thing. You got it? Yeah, good, good, good. Now, he says, I want you to be patient. The word patience here in the Greek is makrothumos. Let's all say a Greek word, makrothumos. Macrothumos, yeah. Macro, big picture. Not micro, macro. And thumos from where we get temperature or heat from. He says, in other words, you should be macrothumos. You should have a long fuse before you get heated up, before you get steamed up, before your tea kettle overfloweth, right? Before you get hot. Uh, the word is long-suffering. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. That's why in James 5, 9, he says, don't grumble against one another. Uh, be, be, be macrothumos rather than microthumos. Brothers and sisters, or you will be, be judged. See, we can grumble because we don't understand why we're suffering when we see others not suffering. And we can grumble against each other because people are not paying attention to us the way we think they should. And so we, we, we grumble. But James says, hey, let your faith work through you. Faith without works is dead. Let there be, let there be a patience in your life. And we should be patient when problems are unexplainable. So he talks about the farmer. He talks about the prophet. And now he's going to talk about a guy named Job. You ever read the story of Job? Part of it's unexplainable to me. The devil says to God, uh, God? <laughs> God says, yes. I'm looking for someone that I can test. And God gives the address, zip code, phone number, and email address for a guy named Job. And I'm just saying, God, it's unexplainable. Why would you ever put Job through all of this? Why would you ever allow... See, God didn't test Job, but why would you ever allow Job to be tested? It doesn't make any sense. But it says, you've heard about Job's perseverance. And these people in the book of James that he's writing to heard about his perseverance and seen what the Lord finally, what? Brought about. He's talking to them about the last five chapters of the book of Job where God restores everything to Job that was lost. Now, Job had seven children, and all of them died. Job lost his house and his estate and his you know, 401k and you name it. Went to check his safe. His safe was gone. And he ends up being homeless, and he has a disease, and he's on his way to die. And God comes and restores to him everything that was lost, and then some. And that's why 
he says in James 5.11, focus on this. The Lord is full of what? No, let's read it again. The Lord is? See, somebody, somebody in this room today, well, if I was a preacher, you know, somebody here today, I mean, if I was, um, somebody online today, you need to know the Lord is full of mercy and compassion. He hasn't given up on you. I'm not just giving hype here. This is true. James is telling people who are in deep persecution, who are suffering because of their faith, and he says, you know, I want you to know something. Pause for a moment. The Lord is full. Not just he has access to, he's full of, inside his being, he's full of compassion and mercy. Job played in the Super Bowl of suffering. Ultimately here, this is meant to encourage the believers that James is writing to because they knew that Job had everything restored to him and then some. Now, when you struggle and you're overwhelmed, I want you to think about the words of Augustine. Now, I like talking about Augustine because he was the Bishop of Hippo in northern Africa. Bishop of Hippo. I just like saying Hippo. I think it's cool. And you know what Augustine said about Christians? I think it's valuable. He said Christians oftentimes take their faces and their eyes and press it against the stained glass. And when you're this close, when you're micro to the stained glass, all you see are shards of glass. And if you look really carefully, you'll see imperfections in the glass. But Augustine went on to say, if you'll step back and take a macro look of the stained glass that the artist has put together, you'll go, wow, it's beautiful. If all we see is here and now, if all we see is this struggle that we're under, if all we see is the person who's always against us, if all we, we see is this, the suffering and the pain, and, the, and I know some of you have been through some really horrible stuff, but James is trying to get people who've been through horrible stuff to see there's a bigger picture at play. God is in control. And Augustine went on to say, we are finite, not infinite. We need to stop seeing the world with our faces up against the glass and start seeing God as eternal. The God who takes the jagged, broken pieces of life and puts them together into a beautiful, into a beautiful stained glass picture. In the church in Los Angeles, I, I kind of paid attention to them over the years. And I remember when the, this pastor went there, he was kind of radical for the church. They were on a street called Bundy in L.A., known as the Church at Bundy. And when they moved to a different location, he changed the name. Now, you got to know, this was a time where every church had church after. New Life Church, New Hope Church, Foursquare Church, you know, Abundant Grace Church. And he changed the name of the church to one word, Mosaic. And I thought, wow. And boy, he got ridiculed. You know, he's a blasphemer. He's a false prophet. He dropped the name church. No, no, no. He put mosaic on there. And I remember asking him the question, why, why? And here was the answer. Because our church is a community of broken, shattered people, shards of glass. But when God puts us together, we're a beautiful mosaic. We're like a tapestry. You know, nobody gets a tapestry and, and puts it upside down to look at all the threads and the knots. 
But we look at the top and the beauty of how God has put us together and built us together. And Augustine says, I want you to see life that way. Pull back macro and look at all that God has for us. Not just what is today, not just this moment, not just the storm, not just the people trying to get on your boat, but look at me. Why should I be patient? Why? Because God's in control. Now you got this, right? You got everybody got this? Okay. Next, next, next slide. Why why be patient? Because God's in control. Oh, he left. Oh, there he is. No, he's there. God's in control. James 5.8 says, you too be patient and do what? Stand firm. Thank you. Because the Lord's... Ah. Hey, look, look, look. No matter what we face in life, just take a moment and say, God, you're in control. See, no one can deny or stop or block the coming of Jesus. No one. He's coming when he wants to come. Now, I, I know there's a lot of prophets out there saying, the Lord's coming on a certain day. Um, I, I remember my early days here at the church, there was a book that went around. If you're an old-timer, you might remember, 88 Reasons Why He's Coming in 88. 1988. And this woman came up to me on a Sunday morning, Pastor Bernie, if you have any, any wisdom in you, if you have any anointing, you need to preach this book. The church needs this book. And I said, I will. I'll preach it. She said, when are you going to start? I said, in 89. <laughs> well, what will you say in 89? I'll say, this book was wrong. <laughs> I think God's in heaven when people say, he's coming September 14th. I think he tells the angels, Ixnay on the 14th. We're not coming then. Right? I just think he likes to do that because no man knows the hour or the day. He, he does a lot of things to confound the wise. But see, no one can stop the Lord's coming because God's purpose for you and your life is greater than any problem that you're facing right now. And this is not just some guy up here flapping my app. This is true. God's purpose for your life is greater than any problem that you're facing right now. So be patient because God is always accomplishing something in you. He's always accomplishing something in you. He's always working on your behalf. He's always shaping us and, and molding us. Years ago, I heard a, a pastor use an analogy. It's very simple. He said, imagine the carpenter in his workshop. He's got some nice pieces of lumber, and he can see the table that he wants to build with the lumber. But all of a sudden, as he grabs some boards to put them through the planer, the boards start revolting and saying, we don't want to be drilled. We don't want to be sanded. We don't want to be plain. We, we don't want to be glued. Now, you know that's silly. I mean, wood's not going to speak. But then the speaker went on to say, we're like that. God tries to shape us. God tries to build something more beautiful with our lives. And we go, oh, no, Lord. When the speaker was talking about wood, I was thinking about the potter and the clay, right? That God comes and shapes us. He puts us on the potter's wheel. He has a purpose for us. He's accomplishing something in our lives. And the sad part is we can't see it always in the moment. Lord, this hurts. Ouch. Why are you doing that, Lord? Why are you pulling me like, like clay? Why are you putting more water on me? Like mold me and shape me. And hmm. 
We love to sing songs like that. Have your way in me, God. I surrender everything, Lord. Mold me and shape me, the old song, right? Mold me, Lord, until he starts molding us. Mold someone else, God. Do someone else, but not me, right? But God is working in our lives and all things, and James wants people to know this. And he also says, why should we be patient, number two? Because God rewards patience. As you know, verse 11 says, we count as blessed those who have what? Persevered. They made it. They fought the good fight. They finished the race. The second half of Job's life was more blessed than the first half. God doubled everything that he had. It pays to be patient. Number three, because God is working things out. Verse 11 says, you've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen that the Lord finally brought about this great thing in his life. And again, that verse, the Lord is full of compassion and full of mercy. I put in my notes, and if we were sitting at a table, I'd, I'd probably talk about delay, how oftentimes we think delay is denial, but it's not. A delay does not mean a denial. God's looking at his watch totally different than how you look at your watch. Actually, God doesn't have a watch. He's not bound by time and by space. But hurry up, Lord. We've got two lanes now in McDonald's to get our nuggets. Card, please. Hurry, come through. We've got super fast internet now, God. We've got Wi-Fi screaming. Why are you so slow? Why are you so slow, God? Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. You're not God. He's in control. How about Psalm 130, verse 5? I know you're going to love this verse, right? Let's read it together. I wait and I trust his word. Yeah, that's easy, except for when you're waiting. Yes, Lord, I wait for you. I, I, I trust in you. I got another one. You really like this one too. Micah 7, 7. But as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for my God will hear me. In other words, don't you dare run ahead of God because he's a better blocker than you are. He can remove obstacles better than you can. Don't get ahead of God. Don't lag behind God. Just, just be in step with God. Remember what Jesus' name is, Emmanuel, God, God, wait, wait, wait with us. Not next to us, not in front of us, not, not behind us. He's right there. He's with us. He's with us. And we do know that he steps ahead to block those things for us, but we have to be with him. Hey, Bernie, keep up. I got to keep up with God and what he's doing. He can have his way in and, and through my life. And Psalm 37, 7, here's another great one. Let's read it. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways and when they carry out their wicked schemes. Stop looking at everyone else and saying, but Lord, how come they have? How come they're not suffering like me? How come? No, no, God, I'm here with you. I'm going to get my eyes off everyone else. I'm going to get my eyes right upon you, and I'm going to have, excuse me again for the word, a macro version of life, because there's more to this life than this life, and in this life, you will come to me, and I will see your work in and through me. And the last thing why we should be patient is because what I say matters. Don't you wish everybody's word was true? 
Come on. Don't you wish when someone says, you can count on me that you could? Huh? Because he's going to say, this is pretty profound. Verse 12, above all. And he's talking about trusting in God. He's talking about the farmer, the prophet, Job. And now he says, hey, 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 you got it? Yeah, yeah. But above everything I said, my brothers and sisters, do not swear. I didn't say that. He did. Do not swear. And somebody says, yeah, that's right. We should never use profanity and swear. Well, you could take it that way. He's talking about swearing like, I swear to God. Or I swear on my great, 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 great grandmother's grave. Listen, I called her. She doesn't want you to swear on her anymore. (laughs) I'll be there at five. You can count on me. See, you know what he's saying here? And boy, this is good to teach our kids. When you tell somebody, I will do it, let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you can't do it, say this. I don't think it's possible. That's fair. Or how about this? I can't do it, but if something changes, I'll make an attempt. That's okay. But don't say I'll be there and then you don't show up. That's exactly what he's talking about. See, all you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. (laughs) Now, let me stop for a moment because somebody's going to say, well, um, you know, I got this position and they made me um, quote an oath, you know, to God, the Constitution, right? Or I was asked to be a witness, so help me God, right? Now, that's the law of the land, a little different. I get it. But if you have to swear... It's usually because your argument's not very strong or your position's not very strong. If you say, hey, I'm going to be there, you can count on me, yeah, you should be able to say that and live it out. Now, God's in control. Question, who controls your life? If you're in control of your life, yikes. If you're the savior of your life, double yikes. That's why before we even finish this morning, I want to make sure that everybody understands the most important thing that this church stands for and that James, the half-brother of Jesus, was standing for is that we allow Jesus to be our Savior and our Lord. And we do that by believing in the cross, that he dies on a cross for us. He sheds his blood for us to be forgiven. He rises again from the dead so we can have newness of life. And it's not just theology, it's not just religion, it's a relationship where we say, Lord, I am going to believe in you, I'm going to confess you with my lips, and I want to follow after you. And today as we finish this service, if that's what you want to do, uh, our prayer team will be here shortly underneath the cross, and you, you can go and pray with someone and say, today's my day to give my life to Jesus. That's the first thing. The second question is, what are you restless about today? What is God trying to do in and through your life today? What are you restless about? Could we stop and say, Lord God, help me not to be restless. Help me to trust in you. Help me to remember that you are in control of my life and great things will happen. Maybe not right now, but later on. But for sure, someday when we stand before you, there's going to be great things as we continue to trust in the Lord.
be patient because God is in control. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.